Welcome, my FCM family. Welcome to our first ever completely online service. We are not here uh, uh, locally in our, in our normal place of worship, but we are in our homes all over this great county and central Texas, so we're glad to welcome you. And are you ready for God's Word? I pray that you're not just watching, but that you've taken time to worship. Now remember, church isn't just something we do, it's who we are. So I want to remind you to worship with your family, worship with all your heart, and enter into this time of worship. Uh, we're going to be talking about something over this next few, I would say four weeks, uh, I'm going to be in a sermon series entitled Anxious for Nothing. Now that is very appropriate for this current time because right now anxiety is at an all-time high. There's people uh, freaking out, there's people having all kinds of uh, anxiety problems and worries and rightfully so sometimes, but I think the Bible has a lot to tell us about this and how we can live victoriously, how we can live with joy. So the first message I want to share with you is a message about joy. Now, before you say, pastor, what in the world are you talking about? How are we called to have joy in the midst of everything going on around us? Now, I want to remind you that our birthright, last week we mentioned one of our birthrights as Christians is peace. The same thing goes with joy. Now, keep that mind, keep that Keep that thought you just had about everything going on around us. But first, I want to share with you a, a verse straight from the book of John. And this is what Jesus says. He, says. he says to his disciples, and that's to us as well, right before he's getting ready to go home, right before he's getting ready to be crucified, and the church is going to be birthed by the uh, sending of the Holy Spirit, and there will be a, a tremendous amount of persecution and chaos and uncertainty for his believers. But this is what he, he encourages them with. At the first, uh, in John 16, 33, I have told you all of these things that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You know, I think that's something Jesus was always straightforward with us about. He told us straight from the get-go, straight from the jump. He said, hey, being a Christian is not going to be easy, but living in this world is not easy. This world is filled with uncertainty and things that can make us anxious. But, but watch how he finishes this, this, uh, this verse here. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And because he's an overcomer, and through our, through our association as sons and daughters of the, uh, of the Most High God, because of our belief in Jesus, we're overcomers as well. And so I want to remind you of that. He gives us peace to overcome. So it's in your peace that you overcome. But what about this joy? Well, he says a lot about joy as well as he's talking to his disciples about, about kind of like what's going to happen once he's gone. And, and that's a message for us. In John 15, 11, he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Here's that thought again. I'm telling you all of this in light of uncertainty, in light of sorrows, in light of trial, in light of all of those things, joy and peace are what, are what you need to overcome. So today, as we talk about peace, as we talk about joy, I want you to remember these words. I have told you these things so that you would be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
it will overflow in confidence, in assurance, in a, in a hope, in an expectation. But before we go any further, I want to ask you a question. And maybe you can ask the people that are watching with you. What is joy? I'll give you a few minutes. Just think about it. What is joy? Now, you might be tempted to say, well, it's an emotion, Pastor. Joy is definitely an emotion. It's an attitude. Can I tell you? It's the natural byproduct of having a relationship with Almighty God. It's what comes out when the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life. Now, I want to I wanna share with you a definition that I got from Kay Warren. This is uh, Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's wife. She wrote it this way. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. So I want you to notice what she said. It's an assurance, it's a confidence that God is in control and that everything's going to be okay. And the determined choice to praise God in all things, I would say, and in all times. It's a determination. It's a choice. Joy is confidence, assurance, but don't miss that. It's also a choice. I get to choose what I'm going to be and how I'm going to be. This reminds me of a quote from, uh, from Chuck Swindoll. He wrote this uh, several years ago, and I found it in the book uh, Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. And he quotes Chuck Swindoll, uh, Pastor Swindoll, this way. No longer, uh, excuse me, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact that attitude has on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is that we all have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Watch that. He says it's a choice. We cannot change our past, nor can we change the fact that people will act in certain ways. We also cannot change the inevitable. The one thing that we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. And you get to choose. Can I ask you today to choose joy? Choose that supernatural ingredient that God says gives us what we need to overcome what's happening in the world. It's a mindset, not not based on the circumstances, but it's a mindset that's based on what, what, what goes against the circumstances. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus said, put your mind on the things above. Joy is a thing above. A circumstance is a thing below. And if you're not careful, the things below will grab onto you and can change your outlook. So I want you to be very, very, very careful today to put your mindset on something that is above. I asked my son, I said, I said, son, what is joy? And he said this to me. He said, dad, well, I know it's not happiness. 
Happiness has to do with things happening around us. And right now, the things around us are crazy. I don't think, and, and, and you know, he's 16. I haven't seen this in my lifetime, let alone a 16-year-old. So I know he has to be worried, but, but he said something very remarkable. He said, joy is a supernatural thing that comes from a relationship with God. And he said, and it's not temporary. Happiness is temporary based on what I have. Joy is what I'm going to get. It's based on focusing, and listen to me, it's very closely tied to hope. So if your joy, if you're having trouble with your joy, then you need to check your hope. And hope comes from faith. Now I'm going to connect all these dots for you very, very quickly, because I've got about 10 more minutes, and then I'm going to let you go. But I want to remind you, That the Bible says very, very plainly, there's two things going on. There's God who is above sharing with us a different way of thinking. And then there's the enemy that wants to drag us down and keep us from getting a connection, a relationship with God. Jesus alludes to this in John 10.10. He says the thief, that's the enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in the fullest way possible. Can I remind you guys, we are a singing religion, a singing faith, a singing spiritual uh, system. If you're a Christian, then you're going to sing. Do you know we have more songs than any other religion on earth, the Christian faith? We have more songs if you only include those that pertain to Jesus' birth. You can start playing a song about joy and about the birth of Christ and about the the, the exuberance and the celebration of what he brought to this world. You can start playing them at the beginning of summer and play them without ever repeating one all the way through to Christmas. That's amazing. Why? Because Christians have always had this hallmark of joy, joy in their hearts. It has to do with what Jesus said. I came to give you fulfillment. Listen to what else Jesus said. He talked about this this relationship with his Holy Spirit being like a fountain of living water that, that resides inside of us. This fountain keeps us from getting parched, keeps us from getting dry, keeps us from getting overcome by the things of this world. He says in John 4, 14, he says, but those who drink the water, I Uh, Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. In John 7, he adds this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from their hearts. And this is amazing. The psalmist follows up with this by saying that joy should be the hallmark of our life in this way. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. Listen to what he's saying. He's going to protect us. His joy is what's going to help us get through it. Now I want you to think about this. Joy is a determined uh, expectation of what's going to happen in the future. And and that's tied to hope. 
Now I wanna make this distinction with you because the other day I had a plumber come into our house to do some work. And uh, the, the Carnahan brothers, many of you know, were doing some tile work. And so they were waiting on the plumber so that they could do their repairs and finish their tile work. And so they asked me, they said, Pastor, when is the plumber coming? And I said, well, they told me on the phone they hoped to get here Thursday, but if not, they'd see me Friday at, uh, at, at 8.30 in the morning. And Josh looks at me and starts laughing. He says, they're coming Friday. I said, how do you know that? He says, that's what that means. When someone says in the construction world, we hope to be here, but if not, we'll be the, at this later time. It's always the later time. Hope just, just, just to make you feel good. And, and I said, you know what? Thank goodness God's not that way. Thank goodness that when God says you can hope in me, you can be absolutely certain and it can build up in your heart as an amazing confidence and assurance that it's going to happen. Now he says he's our hope, that he will protect us, that he will take care of us, that he will watch over us. Can I tell you something? You can take that to the bank. You can rest assured on that. So number one, if you want to cultivate joy, you say, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, Pastor, you've got like eight minutes. That's right. So these are going to come at you very, very fast. I need, you to, I need you to take some notes. Number one, you've got to make a decision. Just like Chuck Swindoll said, attitude is about decision. If you want to have joy, you've got to get up in the morning and say, just as Psalms 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. You've got to make a decision from, from, from the get-go, right from Jump Street, right from the, from the starting blocks, right as the day begins, you got to say, okay, Lord, joy is my birthright. Peace is my birthright. That is what's going to be my, uh, uh, my strength. And that's who I'm going to be. That's who I am. And don't let anything steal your joy. In a minute, we're going to talk about the things that steal our joy. Number two, you need to have a deep belief. What kind of belief? Believe what God's word says. If God's word says something, then you can, you can have hope in it. You can have faith in it. Do you know that most people have a lack of joy because they have a lack of faith? They may not know God's word. So let me commend you right now. Let me commend you. What you're doing right here, right now, and listening to God's word, you are literally building your faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So when you're hearing God's word, your faith is being built. But don't only hear God's word. Read it. Study it. Get to know it. As you get to know his word, you're getting to know him. And as you get to know him, you'll get to know something very, very remarkable that he can be counted on. He's not like human beings that fail and, and change their minds and, and start off one way and end up another. He never changes. He's consistent. He's holy. And you know exactly where you stand with him. And he says that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love and he's big enough to protect. So I want you to think about that. You've got to believe what he says. Not only do you have to believe what he says, but you also have to make that predetermination, but you've got to fight in your faith, in your hope against the things that come to steal your joy. Now, remember what Jesus said, the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy 
He wants to destroy your faith on the inside, your hope on the inside, so that he can steal your peace and your joy. And once he has you going down that slippery slope, it's not hard to defeat you. And you can see what's happening in the world today. You can see all of the things that are taking place here below. But God says, look above. Look above and beyond these things. This isn't what you're living for. This isn't what's going to determine who you are and who I've called you to be. And so I want you to take, take a look at this list. I'm going to put it up here on the screen and you can follow it. But the first thing that steals your joy is anxiety. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Well, pastor, what am I supposed to do with this anxiety? You're going to have to fight and choose joy and have your faith strengthened so that your faith overcomes this anxiety. The Bible says in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but instead, listen to what he's saying there. Instead of getting caught up, getting anxious and dwelling on all those negativities, instead of thinking about these things over and over and over and sitting there watching and seeing what the news cycle says and how they just rehash over and 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 make it worse and worse and worse. And instead of getting on Facebook or on other social media and listening to all the negativity You need to make a determination. Instead of being anxious, I'm going to do what God's word says. I'm going to take it to him in prayer. That's what he says. If there's something you can't do about it, and that's the truth. The reason we're getting anxious today is because there's a lot that's outside of our control. And that leads to number two, confusion. When there's things that are outside of our control, we feel confused and we don't know what to do. And nothing steals joy faster than confusion. Confusion is uncertainty. Confusion is not knowing what to do. Confusion is having so many things mixed up right now. And there's so many things up in the air. And there's so many people saying different things and doing different things. And, 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 and there's so much misinformation. Can I tell you, you've got to fight through that. You've got to press on to the throne of God and say, Lord, I know you're still on the throne. I know you still love me. I know that what your word says is true. And so, God, it's not about the things happening right here, right now, down here. I'm going to keep my mind on the things above. The things above remind me that everything's going to be okay. Number two, number three, excuse me, is noise. Noise goes really closely with confusion because there's a lot of chatter and a lot of things being said. Can I tell you, sometimes you've got to turn off that noise. You've got to disconnect from those different, uh, different ways that, that maybe, maybe it's media, maybe it's friends, maybe it's certain people that are just, just, just so caught up in anxiety and confusion and stress that they're trying to, trying to get help from others. But in their desire to get help, they're actually bringing people down. It's kind of like when someone's drowning. When someone's drowning in anxiety, they want help. But the last thing you do for a drowning victim is jump in because they'll climb on top of you and take you down. The only one that can truly help them is Jesus. So you throw them a lifesaver and you say, let me share with you this message. Let me share with you this verse. Let me pray with you. And then you begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit into the situation. Amen. And then lastly is resentment. I want to remind you that resentment steals our joy. So if there's some relationship that's gone awry or maybe some hurt in your life that you've never been able to deal with, I need you to go to God. 
Go to God and say, Lord, I need your help letting this go because in the midst of all this turmoil, I can sense this resentment is only like an anchor dragging me down. And I need you to help me cut this anchor and set me free. And I promise you the Lord will do it. But lastly, getting back to our list of how to cultivate joy. Number one, decide. Number two, believe. And number three, pace yourself. Pace yourself. Listen, the Bible says very, very clearly, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Can I tell you, there was a song that we used to sing when I was a kid, and, and, it, and it, it went something like this. said, one day at a time, Lord Jesus, teach me to live one day at a time. That, that's what pace means. This last, this last point, pace, is designed to remind you that we're called to just be grateful for today. Lord, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know you hold it. And I know that your thoughts for me are good. And I know that your thoughts for me are, are not only good, but, but, but you love me and you care for me. And that if I ask for forgiveness, you are quick to respond. If I ask for help, you are always there and you will see us through. Listen, guys, we're going to get through this. And we're going to get through it by focusing on him, letting him guide our thoughts. Next week, I'm going to share with you how the, the remaining three, three items that we need to think about in cultivating joy uh, will help us get through this as well. Work on these this week, and I'll be back next week. Now remember, watch out for those things that steal your joy. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week. Let us know how you're doing. We want you to uh, interact with us on social media. Let's put a positive message out there, right? There's a lot of people putting out uh, you know, things that, that are kind of freaking people out. Let's put something out there that will give them hope, that will give them joy and promote peace. I love you. Have a great, great week. Hi, church. I just finished my message on being anxious for nothing and overcoming all this chaos that seems to be sweeping over the world. And I told you that Jesus was the answer. You might be here today saying, I need that answer. I want that answer. How can I have that? You might be feeling something you've never felt in your, in your heart, in the core of your being. Can I tell you that's the Holy Spirit drawing you? The Bible says that none of us come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws us. And so if the Holy Spirit is drawing you today, I just want to encourage you to say, yes, Lord, I believe. The Bible says very clearly that you can be saved by just asking Jesus to be Lord of your life, to confess faith. It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he died on the cross for you and for me, that he rose again and conquered death, you shall be saved. And so in just a minute, I'm going to share with you a prayer. It's nothing mystical or magical about the prayer. It's just the sincerity of the person praying it. And it begins a relationship between you and God, you and Jesus, you and uh, your Savior. But first, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ came to forgive us of our sins. I want to share with you my favorite verse of salvation. It's Romans 6, 23. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, if you take the first part of that verse, you have, you have three main points, or you have three words that uh, encapsulate the main point. Wages, sin, death. Now, I want you to watch this as I dissect it. Wages means something you earn. So that means you work for it. You do something and you earn something. The thing you earn is death. Whenever you see death, in, in God's word, it means separation. When you die physically, you are separated. Your spirit is separated from your body. When you die spiritually, your spirit is forever separated from God. And uh, the Bible calls that hell, being completely estranged from God. So you do something to gain this. What is the thing you do? Sin. If you want to know what sin means, the best way to kind of remember that is just circle the eye. I want to be in charge. I know best. Lord, I know you've asked some things, but I don't want to do it. I want to, do, I want to be Lord and King of my own life. When you decide that, then, you, then God says, okay, then what you get is a separation from me since that's what you want. Now you might say, pastor, I haven't been that bad, but let's just take the tent. The, the big 10, what I call the big 10. Uh, thou shall not commit adultery. You might say, Pastor, I've never cheated. I've never done anything like that. But, but, but listen to me. Jesus came in the flesh from God and he said, you've all heard it said, thou shall not commit adultery. And you tend to think this is adultery in a nice little box. But I tell you, this is what he says on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but I tell you, if a man or a woman looks at another person and lusts in their heart, then you've just committed adultery. So I heard a man say once to me, he said, well, so is it wrong to take a second look? I said, yes, absolutely. It's wrong to take a second look if you're measuring by what Jesus said. He says, okay, well, then I'll just take a long first look. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, you sin in your heart, not just externally. So that's one. How about, have you ever said something that wasn't true? Well, that's lying. Thou shalt not lie. How about this? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? That's called stealing. So if we're just dealing with the big 10, we've already committed the first three that, that I've mentioned here today. How about one more? Thou shalt not murder. Okay, pastor, I've never murdered anyone. I can assure you of that. Well, listen, Jesus in that same Sermon on the Mount said this, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you today that if you talk ill of a brother, if you curse him and belittle them and gossip about them, that means anyone, you have murdered them before your heavenly father. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. We've all sinned. We've all sinned and we need a savior. And that's why the second part of that verse is so important. It's extremely important. For the wages of sin is death. I earned death because of my actions. But, but is so important. That's a, that, that conjunction right there, that conjunction, junction, what's your function? You guys remember Schoolhouse Rock? It means there's something else going on. But the, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, now gift is different than a wage. You don't earn it, you receive it. You receive what? The gift of God. 
that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What is the gift of God? The gift of God is heaven. Relationship with him. Grace, mercy, hope, faith, peace, love, joy. It goes on and on and on. And if you want to receive that gift, you open your heart to him. Think about this with me for a second. If I was to give you this item right now and I stretched it out towards you, you would have to open your hand to receive it. That's how you receive a physical gift. But we're not talking about a physical gift. We're talking about a spiritual gift first. And so if you want to receive the spiritual gift that God is talking about here in this verse, you open your heart, open your life. Say, Lord, be king. That means rule and reign over everything. Now, this is where I make a distinction. A lot of people in this country and around the world have said the prayer. That prayer doesn't necessarily save you. It's what you do in your heart. See, a lot of people say, well, I'll say that prayer in case hell is real. I want some insurance. God isn't offering insurance. He's offering you eternal assurance. But here's the difference. Here's the distinction. He's not asking you to date him. He's asking you to marry him. Some of us listening right now are saying, Pastor, I've been dating Jesus for too long. That's me. You're talking to me. Can I tell you, receive him and marry him. Make him, commit to him and make him king and Lord and savior over your entire life. If you want to do that, let's pray together. Remember, there's nothing special about my words. It's what's happening in your heart. We're going to say this prayer together. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for this day. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I receive you as Lord and King of my life. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are the Son of God. That you came to this earth. You walked a perfect, sinless life. You died on the cross so that I could have forgiveness of my sin. And I trust you, Lord, to forgive me of my past, present, and future sin. I also know that you conquered death, and because of that, so will I. Lead me by your Holy Spirit forevermore, and I will never be the same. No, I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, church. Thank you for praying that prayer. Your next step is to get involved in a great church. Get baptized. Start reading his word and get in a discipleship relationship. We can tell you how. But we'd love to invite you to keep watching with us online. And we love you. We'll, we'll be with you till the end. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Pastor Chris. We invite you to give from your MyFCM app or by going online at www.myfcm.org. Help us share the love of Jesus during this difficult time. 